You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. But you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Show your support for Real Men Feel by shopping at realmenfeel.org slash swag, by visiting digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel, or even text us a tip. You can show some love for Real Men Feel by texting Real Men Feel, that's all one word, to 504-226-5306. You'll receive a link back to complete your tip and choose the amount. This is a weekly program and your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's dive into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your main feeler of the evening, Andy Grant. Uh, it's my pleasure to be with you this evening, uh, this morning, this day, this afternoon, wherever you're listening to this. Um, this is our 79th episode of Real Men Feel. Um, and actually, this month, it's, uh, it's our two-year anniversary. And I'm, Apio, did you even realize that? I did, actually, and I was going to bring it up. So if you had it, I was planning to. So it's amazing. Two years later, and we probably would have a lot more episodes, but we took a well-deserved break last year as well. So it's all good. And when we started, uh, the goal was, um, I think, monthly. It was. The first show, I thought, oh, well, let's do this twice a month. And by the, first, by the first month of it existing, I think we committed to doing it weekly. Yeah. 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 I, I literally, I think, two episodes in, we're like, okay, let's just do it weekly. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I'm really excited for our guest tonight. It's uh, he serves a a much uh, I'm, I'm tongue tied. I can say a much needed need is served by this gentleman. So that's really cool. He's a, a very wide ranging person. He's got a background in politics and in TV news, and in, and now he uh, he's a mystic. Um, so it all comes full circle, right? But uh, our, our guest this evening is Jan Darwin Hutchins. Welcome, Jan. Honor. And if you're the main feeler, am I the one being felt? Well, hey, now. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm kept alone in a room, unable to touch people. Is a <laughs> I just want to congratulate you guys before I start, before we start, because what you're doing is a wonderful thing. The whole idea of men being able to have a place to express their feelings and that it'd be honored. And we really make a point of allowing men to have both the inside and the so both the vertical and the horizontal axis going on is a beautiful thing. So bless your heart. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, and, uh, so when you were the mayor of Los Gatos, California. Yeah, back uh, when Prince was singing about it, 1999, like uh, the world was going to end because I was mayor. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you you were a TV anchor on the West Coast as well at some point? Yeah, I did that for about 20 years. I was a sportscaster for about 10, and then I did news for about 10, mistakenly, because if you do sports, the news director never talks to you because they don't understand sports, so you can say what you want. If you start doing news, a bunch of people get in there and basically turn it into uh, the pablum that local news has become. <laughs> so so in, in either of those worlds, or both of them, was that kind of, and at the time, was it kind of a traditionally masculine thing? I imagine being a sports anchor is kind of a, a pretty traditional uh, role expected of you. but Especially after the games around the shower. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, I mean, it was a big deal to me. Yeah. As a sportscaster, it was great because I was a 22-year-old kid and able to go into the locker room, hang around the practices, be with my heroes. I've been a sports fan my whole life. So here I am, side by side, and then becoming friends and hanging with people that I had revered from a distance. It gave me a sense of confidence and a recognition that everybody is the same that I would not have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And. And so was it those experiences that, 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 you know, how do you go from sports anchor to, to mysticism? Well, you have all that success at a young age and you recognize it's kind of empty. Um, I had the same experience in terms of relating and found myself at about 50 years old, 54, actually wondering why having been a lone wolf my whole life, I felt alone. And that I recognized I had made no real friends. I had my name on billboards, but nobody I'd let into my heart. And uh, I was uh, blessed because a young man who was going to classes at my children's yoga classes, in I had a yoga studio in Los Gatos after I was mayor, and he had a brain aneurysm, died as he was coming down the hallway, basically, to tell his mother his head was hurting. And she and I had a conversation along the way. I don't really remember about how hard it is to raise a man in our world. Hmm. And so I get a phone call saying she wants me to come to the hospital so they can turn off the life support system. They were going to harvest his organs and wanted me to be there with the family, kind of like the priest. As a yoga teacher, I kind of had that role. And as I did that, We came out and the remaining child was holding my hand. And I said, who are those men over there? And they're in my my father's men's group. And the men in his circle of of friends had come and were spending the night one at a time. Every night there would be a man there for when Charlie would wake up unable to sleep in his grief, there'd be a man there who would basically just sit with him. So he wasn't alone in his grief. And I went, that's a pretty amazing situation. That's the kind of world I want to live in. And I discovered that you could go to an initiation and become one of those men. I did it almost immediately. And, um, and it really confirmed that I'm not alone. I don't need to be alone. And that men are trustworthy, although I've been brainwashed like most of us to, to not trust other men because we're in competition for women and jobs and money and all those things. And it really changed my way of looking at the world. And it also allowed me, after the initiation, having seen men be, I think, fully truthful for the first time in my life, I'd seen men be fully truthful. I came away recognizing how all of us have a mask of everything's okay. I'm fine. But the truth is, it's a much more complex, much deeper, much more painful reality that we're all living than I had ever imagined. Hmm. Beautiful. 
So let, let's let's clarify. I, I believe you're talking about an experience with the Mankind Project? Yep. Beautiful. So you did the New Warrior training adventure? Yeah, and then, of course, I don't do anything lightly. <laughs> At one point, since I had a yoga center, I had five circles going on every week. So I was in circle a lot, facilitating a lot, going to staffing. I, got, I staffed as, fast, as often as I could and really got into the work. And I already was something of a mentor coach uh, with people who'd come to the yoga center. Uh, and now I start to take on this work and sitting in circles, it was just a beautiful growth period for me. Beautiful. How, so how many years was, was that? I got initiated back in 2004. Okay. So 14 years now. Cool. And so was it kind of a, a direct line then for, from those experiences to creating the men's school? Ultimately, yes, because all the activity of doing inner work uh, led me to the point where I recognized, this was only about a year ago, I uh, recognized that I really needed to do some relationship work and didn't realize how I had, um, I, I couldn't figure out what was going wrong with me in relationship. And the one of the fellows who's one of the co-founders at, at the men's school, a fellow named Denny Maria Sebastiana, who's my, my coach, in fact, all the guys who are faculty members of the men's school, I've coached and they've coached me, except for the one, there's one fellow who isn't. But all these are guys I totally trust. They're master coaches and we've coached each other. And Dene said, read this book by, I think his name's William Johnson, right? Robert Johnson? Robert Johnson. Uh, Robert Johnson. She, he, and we are the three books that are really good from him. And he had me read We. And it, it so struck me that I had been mistaking the reason why I was in relationships for all those years. It was so powerful a recognition that it was my responsibility to develop my own inner anima, female energy, so that I could nurture myself, inspire myself, and also be relational. That I said, I thought, you know, this should be in a friggin' school. If there was a man's school, this would be part of the curriculum. Hmm. And I said to the guys who were basically serving as my court for another project, and they went, kind of sounds interesting we there should be a men's school and so we began the process of starting and we're still at the really beginning phases of it i'm just kind of drought gathering the tribe right now uh, and then we're trying to create conscious conversation a learning community and that's a pretty interesting conversation to have on its own uh, and then to go to the next level of actually having something of a curriculum and a way in which we i don't know that we'll ever have degrees but we'll certainly have a way in which a guy can say i now have been through a kind of education. Cool, beautiful. Yeah, I was going to ask because you know, do, do we ever? Does anyone ever really graduate from the men's school? No, I think that's one of the interesting, ironic realities. As I look at it, I don't think you ever do. In fact, it, it just gets sweeter and deeper. The more you sound like a person who does inner work, so the more I stay in my own work, the world changes simply by the magic of me being more authentic and more vulnerable. I have more power and more and better experiences yeah. by doing the inner thing rather than I grew up like all of the rest of us, believing there was something about owning and understanding and being a magician in the outer thing that made it different. But I think it's more this inner place that makes the real difference. Cool. So, so currently the men's school is, is it a Facebook group? It's a Facebook group. That's about oh. it. Oh, well, that, that's about it. No, that's yeah, great. Hey, someday and, and uh, and gowns, who knows? 
<laughs> but so, so the, the goal is a, an actual physical presence at some point or an online curriculum or, or everything wide open? What do you... I'm just lazy enough to not want to go places unless it's, <laughs> unless it's a golf course at the end of the, of the trip. Uh, so I, I have no interest in trying to organize something that requires the old school form. I like Buckminster Fuller's idea that if there's an issue or the situation, invent something better rather than complain about what is. And so yeah. I'm essentially trying to figure out, can I invent a learning community online where people can come and instead of arguing, learn from one another, grow, begin to recognize our shared unities and, and actually shift in ways that allow them to go back into their real world different and able to, to take that virus and, and pass it along. And that's what I really love about the idea of the divine masculine that you that you mentioned that you brought up and and because there's so much talk in our society about the divine feminine and so much about feminine energy and so forth and yet not enough attention paid to the divine masculine and how that is an equally beautiful joyous energy which exists, which needs to be brought forward, which needs to be celebrated, which needs to be recognized and embraced. So I, that Amen. just resonated with me on so many levels when I read that. Amen. And the irony is, since we all have in us a masculine and a feminine characteristic in different uh, imbalances, we demean ourselves if we don't recognize the power and value of that opposite or those opposite energies, both of them in yes. each of us. And I'm hoping that's my, my effort is to try to get us to see that there is no other. There really is no other. There's nobody to argue with because I'm just in the face of another being that's part of me. And I, I, I miss the point if I don't try to learn from everybody, even those I think I might not like or initially am triggered by. So, so the curriculum is more, it's really human school. Right? I, I'd like to, I think that's exactly right. I think that's really right. Good, because I was going to ask, does that mean there would be, I, I, and I get it, because it's, it's, it's how we're all used to being, that even in our, our attempts to go deeper, the, the labels still have this, this defining, you know, men that way, women that way. But you go those separate paths to discover, oh, wait. With, within me is both. So uh, I, I love uh, uh, that, that you've included that and, and recognizing that. And it was, was that recognition kind of one of the, I don't know, one of your key personal findings in your own men's school as just growing up and going through experiences? As I say, when I did the initiation with the Mankind Project, they do a wonderful job of, of establishing a kind of safe place to tell the truth. They early on in some of the very first processes really help men who have come up in this world where men are your competitors, recognize that we're all in a place where there's power and value to our being vulnerably honest. Boom. Once I started doing that and heard what people were really had experienced in their life, it made me fall in love with, them, with men in general and the work we have before us and the challenges we've had to go through and the way in which the energy that we hold has been battered and misunderstood in our lives to the point where, where I say most men are a little shy about even speaking their truth in the world these days. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, it, you mentioned it as one of your personal uh, 
insights from from your initiation and and it struck me because it was mine too uh realizing that i could trust other men and then other men were you know not just willing to support me but like, glad to support me right that, that so that blew my mind because i i i had been to lots of different functions and events and personal growth things but this it was uh only the mankind project was my first experience of just all male and it made a difference and it made a positive difference, which wasn't something I really expected. And that the men, as you described, were as loving as any, and in the sense of connected as any beings I've ever encountered. So I was getting a lot of feminine love and affection at that at those weekends. And staffing is the same thing. It's like giving birth to myself over and over again when I see the men who go through the training look one way on Friday and look entirely differently and behave entirely differently by Sunday and go off into the world feeling things and being being in ways that they had not any clue of how to do before they got there. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it's a very loving environment. Rough dudes, you know, but still loving. Because, and it's part of the creation and the naming of Real Men Feel. That, that tough doesn't mean you're not loving. And that it's like, a, I just would love, I, I feel like it's right there. Like, you know, that uh, the ideal man, the tough guy, the rugged guy is, and, and loving is just, it's not seen as, they're not seen as opposites. Well, you know, Andy, I think that actually speaks to just the totality of who we are as as human beings but and you know the the saying that we are spiritual beings having a human experience I, th I think it just speaks to the totality of just us in general yes we are humans being we are humans living our lives at the same time what's part of that what is included with that there's the toughness, there's the tenderness, there's the loving, there is the fear, which can, can sometimes create lots of contrast in our lives. So all of that is like incorporated in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, to, and, and, and again, I was going to say, yeah, I'll say it. Too often, uh, men, women, all, all human beings are wearing that mask of, yeah, I'm fine. I got it all figured out. Don't, don't, don't really poke me. Don't try to lift my mask. So I, I love that I'm seeing more and more men willing to take that mask off and, and be seen and recognize the spirit, the feminine, that the, the, the everything that they are. Have you heard the research on the wolves in Yellowstone? No. That hmm. they, of course, they, you know, they mark them and track them and, and watch them from a distance. And the number one alpha wolf in the pack of all the packs in Yellowstone number 711 or something like this number, is observed that the alpha in his pack and his society really spent most of his time calming the rest of the pack. And if you think about it from a genetic standpoint, you want, you want your pack to be calm and effective. You don't want them fighting and killing one another because you need each other to get the animal and the prey. So the, the lead alpha male really goes around calming everybody, stopping fights, playing with the little ones, letting the little ones beat him in fights. Fierce and absolutely the, the toughest one in all of Yellowstone, he never lost a fight to another intruder. Yeah. But as a way of being inside his pack, he's the soother. He turns over all the operations as to how the pack operates to the, the, the 
the alpha female. It's a beautiful image that's so different than our idea of what an alpha male is. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's like the, the therapy dog. And nature's, the, you know, the, the wolf is nature's therapy dog there. Who's better suited to calm people than the biggest, baddest one in the group? Indeed. And that's, I think that's the masculine role. So we blend that power because I do not want to be timid or weak or not without my sword, but I want to be able to not use it except when it's absolutely the right thing to do. I'm the only one that can do it, and this is the right time to do it. And then to use it cleanly. That's the way we want it to be because someone in the pack is out acting up and endangering the, the health of the whole pack. I need to shut them down quickly and easily. But I also need I'm nurturing everybody in the pack and helping them to feel safer and safer. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. In fact, um, you reminded me of one of my favorite shows while I was on, the, on, on TV for a while was The Dog Whisperer. And, you know, Cesar Milan talks about that, how that calm, assertive energy is what the pack responds to. We as human beings, again, this is being talking about the totality of, of and the interconnectedness of all of us. You reminded me so much of that particular principle of the calm sort of energy it doesn't apply just to the wolf pack or to the dog pack. It applies to our own pack, our own families, the people with whom we interact. So I, wow, thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> Who are these people that are also on our screen? <laughs> so Those are have, your fans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We have yeah, Lori. Are, oh, she's a regular. That's you know Andy's wife, and she's always with us. She's always joining us, and always loves to participate. So okay, Lori, what's Andy's stuff? <laughs> <laughs> what's he working on? I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, so that got you into conversation. Do you have anything? Anything you want to say? I'm I'm nice and supportive here. <laughs> She's my alpha wolf, right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. Cool. So, uh, so you don't have something you, wanna, you wanted to say. Okay, I'll, I'll just be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> what, what sort of curriculum is, is, exists in the man's school or is you in your vision for the men's school? You would ask that, wouldn't you? So <laughs> physical health, relational health, professional health, right, livelihood, mission, you're on your calling, social health, friends, family, the way in which you interact with others, financial health, communal health. And I think there's a hierarchy. Obviously, I got to take care of myself before I start running around trying to make my community better. But that, that's also in the medicine wheel that we envision. And the transpersonal health, the kind of how do I grow? What is wisdom? How do I integrate all of the various challenges? And of course, then spiritual health. Um, how do I come to some sense of okayness and peace in this pretty amazing life that we're living? That's the, that's the tentative curriculum. And it, it would be, we examine all those with a man and probably we'll start to bring men in who say, I clearly need more on my financial health. So we'd work directly with that. Everybody in the group are coaches. And we're trying something kind of interesting. All of us are making all the money we need, and we really don't need to make money off this. But So we thought we would just 
offer in content and quality opinion and offerings and whatever and see what emerged rather than have a business plan or a marketing strategy or try to gather the tribe just to advertise our our business into them uh, and it's it's a faith-based kind of way in which I'm honored to be part of it because it's the way I wanted to do it I don't want to be trying to sell I want to be giving so much good juice that people go this is great could I have more of that oh now I know what product you really want to provide you with right so let, letting your audience letting the needs of the people you're attracting tell you where you're gonna go next I don't because I don't know I'm working on my own stuff I, you know I got enough to do right here <laughs> well, and that's it. You know, what you want to learn, start teaching it because you're going to have to be an expert on it. <laughs> you, you said something, Jen, that really kind of caught my attention. And that is the okayness. Um, what caused you to use the word okayness or think in terms of okayness as opposed to the, this idea of acceptance? I really want to hear your thoughts on that. I'm in the middle of reading a cool book. I don't know if you've seen it. It's Mark Mason's book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a mm -hmm. Book. I know the one. Uh, and I love the idea he has in there that, and it, it goes with one of my hallucinations, let's call it, or my imagination about The thing that gets in our way most is this sense of either I can't do it, because I've gotten all the stories about it should be that way or it should be that way. And I'm never going to achieve, I'm never going to be as good an athlete as Jim Brown. I just made my mind up somewhere along the line. And yet there's a part of me that still thinks I should. So if I keep having this, I need to be particularly exceptional or I have to do something really special. And I've had a life, I've done a lot of very special things. And so I clearly get it. It does not answer that need that somehow I ought to do more. So if I could just be okay, good enough, if I can just lower that, that reestat so that I'm not trying to be more than my authentic, natural self, I can be kind of dropped down here while I'm in peace. Plus, all these years of yoga have told me that if I'm feeling depressed, I'm going to hold my body like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I'm interested in feeling another way, I'm going to hold it like this. I'm going to bring all the energy to the, I mentioned earlier this vertical channel. If I yes. squeeze everything in my body into this vertical channel, if I indeed am using my core to lift up my low back, I'm opening my heart, putting my shoulder blades together behind, letting my neck stay long, breathing fully, I feel like Superman. And every time I catch myself down here, keeping my lungs from really breathing, mm. letting the weight of the world really show up in my body, oh, yeah. I start to feel that corresponding feeling. So good enough turns out to be a physical thing, not a mental construct. So okayness or good enough are common in my way of holding things because I don't want to, I would love people to relax. Um, I know that I need to relax a lot. And my goal as a, as a pack leader is to help people feel more relaxed, more at peace, more comfortable because the fact is, if I'm under stress, my brain knows to shut off and stop thinking because it needs to deal with fight, flight, or freeze, and it needs all the energy to go to the big muscles, and it doesn't have any to go to the brain. So I need to be calm just to think right, mm -hmm. just to get along every day in life. So relaxing is the number one thing I think I try to do and what I advise when I'm talking to clients or other people. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. I see you, Alfio. I see you relaxing as I'm talking. That's beautiful. <laughs> indeed, yeah. indeed. Now, don't, don't put him to sleep yet. Don't do none of that. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I've been sitting here the whole time. It's like, can I find a right position where I'm close to the mic? I'm at the same time, you know, I'm always conscious about the lighting, positioning, and so forth. But then I realize it's like, it's all okay being able to move into the space of okayness. So, how beautiful That's is my that? favorite thing, but what I just did, I, I start out frequently, someone will, will show up and they want to be coached and we start talking and they're just full of this bubbling energy. I said, well, could you try this? Yeah, that's one of my favorite exercises. About three or four of those in, people go, oh my God, I didn't realize how much I am burning energy just with the shoulders up by my ears, the belly churning in fear, all of the spinning thoughts. It's impossible to operate from that place, but... And then... If you drop down at that bottom, you'll like this off you. So, you know the word nirvana? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? It's the highest state in Buddhism. It allows you to, according to the story, end your cycle of karma, birth and death, be in bliss, all this great stuff. Well, it means in Sanskrit to extinguish or blow out like a lamp. And so I think of the exhale as each time the way to get to nirvana. Mm, that one just, oh, that one hits home for right? If I drop all the way down at the end of that exhale, there's silence, there's space, there's peace, there's nirvana. There's a place where essentially I'm not, I don't exist for a moment. And then I can go back with an inhale. And from yoga, I can take an inhale that is so lengthening, so filling, so core inducing, a kind of mini back bend takes place. And from up here, I'm king of the world, right? I'm everything. I can connect with any and everything. So that process is a really nice way, I think, to, to have a tool to break me out of my patterns when I start to go crazy with whatever triggers and whatever my wounds and shadows are. That breaks me out of it. I can have a moment of sanity. I can wake up for a moment and then I can choose again. Oh, that's not who I really want to be. That guy who's scared or angry or tripping. I want to be this guy who's okay, who has enough okayness to just exactly. be present. <laughs> yeah, that speaks to a conversation that I had a very, very dear friend of mine in Omaha. One of the one of the key things that she taught me in our, as we have helped each other along in our journeys is, you know, the, always to be able to create options and creating options means you can take certain options off the table. One of the things that she talks about is losing my peace of mind is not an option. So having made that decision, having made that commitment, when, what other options can I now create? through the breath of nirvana, through the rest of it, the okayness. What, what comes up for you if you get to the bottom of that exhale? Mm -hmm. What comes up for you? Is it that, that peace of mind that becomes, it, sort of, it, it sort of wakes up and it becomes present? Oh, yes, very much, very much. And especially right here, right now, what I'm feeling is that, that incredibly beautiful connectedness of all things. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, that's my mission 
you know, in the Mankind Project, you know, Andy, uh, they, there's a whole deal, I think, erroneously built from my child's deepest wound. I'm going to create a world like this that's going to, and I have to behave that way. But that comes from the child's deepest wound. My adult chose a different mission. And that mission is I bring presence. Simple, easy to, to remember. And it is the thing I think that matters. What are we here for? It's some kind of crazy thing. I don't know. I got thrown into this existence. I don't have a clue what's going on. I'm trying my best. I know it's never good enough. I'm going to die soon. Oh my, oh my goodness. It's just crazy. Someone I, even if I don't, even if I'm doing great, somebody I know is suffering. It's, so it's constant. There's, there's a, the problem with life is there's never an end to the problem. So in that situation, how do I decide to manifest in it? What do I do? Well, I've got to really go deep into some place of peace to figure it out or to figure out what this next moment might be. And I also have to in some way have a tool to be able to be who I really am as opposed to fall back into all my personas every time I get triggered, every time I see a Volkswagen, I remember that girlfriend from high school, blah, 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 and now I'm mad for the next house. So, so I, I'm looking for tools and ways to just stop I, I want to have an organization, a 12-step program called Thinkaholics Anonymous. <laughs> ah, I'd probably be the first one to subscribe to that one with my monkey mind, absolutely. <laughs> I so hear you. What, 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 do you. what do you do to, to deal with it? How do you deal with your monkey mind? For me, it is quite literally the breath. I will, you know, pause. I take a deep breath. Sometimes I will do that forceful exhale. Other times it is a simple, just deep breath, hold it, and then just gradually relax it. And then I keep reminding myself, my, to me, my two magic words are, it's okay. That's mm. why when we talked about the okayness, that so resonated with me because that for me is the thing. It, they, those words have so much power, so much magic, because no matter what, it's always okay. I'm reminded that everything in the universe, everything is perfectly balanced in every moment, and it is okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. Which, what would you guys say should be in a men's school? What do, Andy, what is the thing that you, that comes to mind for you that that should be part of the curriculum? All right. Well, I was just I was going to ask you what's the one thing that you would want all men to know or be aware of. So let me see. Yeah, I I I, th I think that the opening for most men that I see is is knowing that every man you ever meet is faking it. And when you give permission to see that, when it gives permission to do that, like, oh, we can, we can all exhale as, as a species, as a race, as a sex, as a gender. I go, oh, right? Oh, I can slump. Oh, I can be not okay. Because you know, there's a place of the natural presence and okayness, and there's also that freaking fake mask of, yeah, everything's fine. Or there's also the mask of, everything stinks, leave me alone. Don't, don't try to touch my heart. Don't try to show me beauty, right? But it just... Whichever, whoever you look at, whoever's your ideal man, he's got a mask on too, and he's still go because because I said earlier, nobody graduates from the men's school, right? Or maybe with your last final exhale, hey, you get a diploma and you move on. I don't know, but I haven't done that yet. I haven't met someone that's done that yet. Mandel, 
sense that, that in a lot of work with people as they are about to die, most people, I'm told, uh, get to a place of kind of transcendence right before they die. It's mm. a pure and beautiful thing that's worth recognizing that we don't need to wait for that. Yeah, right. right. It, it, it's, it's a choice. Like to not take everything so seriously, to, to not perhaps to not see the life as just a never ending problem. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, it isn't. Here's, here's, the, here's a place that I think is valuable. And it goes to the not, the not giving a fuck. Life is hard. And if I pretend that I'm supposed to be happy all the time, or if I think that, I'm, that it's not a problem, I'm up against this whole huge universe. I know I'm overmatched. So I'm going to recognize it can be just okay, and I don't need to. I don't even believe in problems anymore. There are circumstances. One of my buddies says, there are no problems. It's just terrain. <laughs> and I'm, if I make it a problem, I think there's a solution. And now I'm looking for a solution. That I'm going to try and force on the problem. And one of the things I learned in politics is unintended consequence. No matter how many ways I looked at the problem, I didn't unless I was consciously choosing. So what might happen that I'm not expecting to happen if we really pass this ordinance? That kind of humility before the the power of the universe to, to have its impact on the world allows me to humble up a little bit, calm down a lot, and begin to have much more humility about what I do, say, and do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. So if you think life is nothing but challenges and problems, then that's how you approach them, and you'll kind of reinforce them. Like, I, I find that life will rise to meet whatever kind of label you're putting out on it. I want to I want to speak into that because I, I disagree from this perspective. I think it's important so that I do not create expectations in myself that life is hard. It is hard. Now, what do I do about it? I create something that gives me enough meaning to go ahead and function in the face of my the death of the people I care the failure of the things I'm, I care about and want to build, all the things that do happen, the illnesses that will eventually get even me, and I stay as good a shape as you can get, but I still will go. And as I have to face that fact that I'm living in a kind of crazy world that's got all of these weird paradoxes in it, it's so much easier if I'm allowing myself to be at peace and I'm not trying to change things, but be with them. So yes, I think you're right. It's better if I don't focus and think that life is only problem. But it's also a challenging situation if I don't recognize just how difficult this is existentially. Yeah. Well, it seems as well, accepting what is helps problems kind of dissolve. Because uh, if, yeah, if. And become, I, I, and become terrain. And then become terrain. Yeah, cool. Because is Byron Katie, every time I fight what is, I lose, right? Something like, <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the big reasons why I have, I have truly embraced the whole idea of okayness as opposed to acceptance. I mean, acceptance, obviously, for me personally, okayness and acceptance is the same thing. But oftentimes, when I'm speaking to people who perhaps have not been able to reach that particular point where okayness and acceptance are essentially the same, I like to use the terminology of okayness because there's, at least in Western cultures anyway, there's a lot less resistance to 
being okay as opposed to accepting because too often in Western cultures, we've been conditioned to think that acceptance means resigning or giving up or, or you know, I'm, I can no longer get what I truly want. Whereas the okayness allows us to be flexible and to be okay with not being okay, to have so much more room to maneuver and be able to, to reach that space of acceptance. That's, that's, how I, that's how I personally look at it. Yeah, and I, I think everyone has to get their, like if you're living your life by someone else's definitions or teachings and not your own, then, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, exactly. Yeah, so maybe just to add. It depends, on, it depends on where you're on the path though, right Andy? There are times, there were times in my life I really needed the right teacher and I needed to do what I was told. I True. Benefited, I benefited from, from the initiation process, which I was put through a whole big descent and rebirth out of my control. So I, I do think both are true, that there are situations at various times in my path where I do need a kind of rigor and order and you must do it that way. And then there are other times when you say, okay, now you may have learned enough to take a step out there. And yeah. And I'm referring to truly living your life. Like if, if you lived your life for decades, like it was boot camp, that would be hellish to me. <laughs> but at that. times, it's the, 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 exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how you're able to build the proper practices and habits, if you will to be able to then move forward and take it to, you know, keep putting it one foot in front of the other and would do so without having to think about it. You can have it ingrained into you, those, those positive self-affirming practices. Yeah. And I find, can I, I answer your, Andy, can I answer your earlier question? Sure. You were going to ask me what I thought was the most important thing about the, the curriculum. Yep. Tell the truth. <laughs> I found myself most of my life, saying what I thought people wanted to hear to get them to like me. Mm. Very successful at it. Very good at it. And only lately do I realize the power and freedom. Whew, I feel it. That comes with being willing to risk losing rapport with a person if they can't handle hearing what's true for me. And aren't willing to go through whatever the challenge comes up. Like, Andy, you and I have had two or three, quote, disagreements as we've been talking. I didn't take anything from it. You didn't take anything from it. I don't judge. And that's the area of you're, you're, you're okay. You're, to use Apio's word, you're okay, and I'm okay. And what happens between us is just what's happening between us. It's like if you, if you deal with mystics and stuff, they talk about the stuff that's going on in between us is a neutral zone. I offer in the words. You can choose to take them or not take them, but it all is going on in this safe space in between us, and we're both okay and complete on the other side of the communication. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. What I, that's what I'm going for, that people can be okay to speak their truth, and then once that happens, you can begin, I judge, you can begin to take responsibility in, life, in your life, to have the ability to truly respond rather than, as mostly happens, hiding from the truth around you. Beautiful. And, and since we're all hitting, I, Api, I want to give you a chance to hit that question, to answer that question. So if, there, if there's one thing, you know, that, that you could be assured that you could teach all men or all men will become aware of, what might that be for you? It is speak, the, speak your truth. And, it, yeah. and it, 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 it's working. So when I started the men's school and we started having our first tense 
male-female conversation, mm -hmm. disagreements and challenges, I chose to stay in there and say, well, no, I actually feel this way about that. And I was being counseled by some of the other men, don't say anything. If you piss her off, it'll all go to hell and you know, we'll all die. Men have that in us. We have that in us. If a, if a woman, if the feminine judges us as not good enough, think of what it does in our genetics. It's I'm never going to pass along. I'm going to die. It's like death. So it's a big, scary place to just speak one's truth to the female and hold yourself and, and be willing to handle whatever comes and just stay in it and keep being real in there. And I keep getting the feedback from the, the women I deal with that that is a healthier place for them to be because now there's some, somebody to push up against. There's a true other person in the conversation. We can actually get somewhere and they feel safer. Yeah, I, Jan, I, I love that. And I, and I would agree that the umbrella the umbrella over everything is to speak one's truth. And under that umbrella, I would add to that in the process of speaking one's truth is to also be to speak one's love for oneself. That is yeah. part of one's truth. And that to me is one of the most critical skills is to learn how to love oneself completely and wholly without judgment without fear this book i was talking about before we said mm -hmm. that that's our responsibility as men to develop our anima mm -hmm. in a way that allows the feminine energy in me to be there to nurture me so i don't need the woman to do it it's great to have real love but it's not great if i need it and then begin to judge that you didn't give it to me the way i needed it and enough is the much i needed it blah 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 so that idea of, of creating the anima is a big, powerful one. Can I ask you a? Can I ask you kind of a heavy one up you? Yeah, for go for it. Where, where does, and how does that work in you with the masculine and feminine in you, in mm -hmm. your relationship, and how you, how do you play with it? And do you consciously nurture your masculine or feminine to be able to be in relationship better? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, and this has nothing to do with the fact that I happen to be a Libra at the same time. So for me, that balance is almost very much part of, of, of my identity. But being aware of both energies and knowing when, which, which energy to draw upon at in any particular moment is to me so critical for maintaining that balance and to be fully present and to show up in those relationships. But most importantly, I've also learned by not only being aware of both the masculine, the divine masculine and the divine feminine, I've also learned how to let go of fear and again, speak my truth. Mm. Boldly. Yes. So, so go ahead, go ahead, Andy. You're you're on the interview. Sorry, I'm used to being interviewed. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this dynamic. This is so awesome. <laughs> so, so the truth. Speaking of truth is so important. How does a man know when he's found his truth? Ah, great question. Great question. <laughs> There's this whole story that we need to go off on some sort of vision quest and spend a long time because. It takes us a while to get to it because because we've had to layer ourselves and cover our emotions in so many ways uh, as we were younger. It takes a while. 
in the project and in the work, you know, we do this on a regular enough basis that it gets to be more natural. But I think it is, and I just had the experience, I just went through a quite heavy experience the past year. And one of the things I noticed is, as I came out of the other end of this heavy experience, that voice that I had been hearing that was, the, the word whispering isn't the right word. It's entering the conversation without energy. It's a voice that doesn't have energy to it. It's not attached to an emotion. It's not attached to a story. It's just this thing that seems to appear that says, you shouldn't put up with that, or that's not the right thing to do, or what you really might want to do is X. That voice I have, I now am in touch with and feel very confident when it comes up that that's what I really want to do, know to do, I'm being told to do, I'm hallucinating I should do. I'm not sure what words would be appropriate, but whatever it is, I'm beginning to hear it and follow. And I think that's, that's about as clear as I can get because I think each person finds their voice in, the, in their own way. Okay. But again, so, so finding that voice is a critical step then. I think it's essential. But, it, yeah. but this, is, this is the work normally that's, that's happening at this period of my life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 69 next or Sunday. Uh, so I've been doing this for a while, and it's just now happening for me, and I've been at it. So I don't have any judgments about anybody who's at another stage or, or hasn't. I can't. I couldn't tell who, what voice it was until just this last year. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking. I've been listening, but it's it's not simple. That's that's another back to the, the piece about the problem. Yeah. Life's not simple. It's not easy. And uh, and and I had expectations that I was supposed to save the world, and that I, I was the, since I got all straight A's, I was supposed to know everything and all that kind of stuff. And it led me to have expectations of myself and the world that were not accurate. Yeah. So that's hard. I'll give them, yeah, so you you made a hard life with those expectations. Thank goodness Barack did it. <laughs> right. I was supposed to be Barack Obama to my parents, you know. <laughs> so so to to get back to truth, and so I, I'm asking this because I'm aware in my own past what I thought I was speaking my truth, and it was the exact opposite. So is it possible that, that men are out there think they're speaking their truth and they haven't found it? Right. And that's why one, I think, needs to surround themselves with other people they can trust. Mm-hmm. Because it happened in circle today. I sat in an eye group today. And one of the men was doing his work. And one of the fellows went, let's do the fly on the wall, where we all talk about what's going on here as though you're not here and you have a choice. You can leave the room while we talk, or you can sit here and listen, see the fly on the wall. person chose to listen. And the conversation went wonderful places because people were able to say, he's fooling himself. And the guy got to sit there and listen that here are these group of men that I have come to trust and, and know who are basically saying, I'm lying to myself. If I, one person to you, Andy, were trying to have that conversation, you could blow me off and say you're crazy. But if seven other guys in the circle are saying the same thing, it's hard for you to not open to the possibility, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's almost an intervention of truth. Can that, that know, go into your 12-step program? You eventually start driving yourself down to go, oh, my tendency is anytime there's a chance that I might be abandoned, I will do the abandoning first. Mm. 
Mm. So I'll find something wrong with the person and I will get myself out of there and I'll be able to point back and say, it was their fault. <laughs> How many patterns like that are, are what you're talking about where my voice says, that woman is just not being the way she ought to be. And you, in six, six weeks later, you go, geez, that was the best thing I ever had going for me. Why did I leave there? Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so, Apio, I, I really – let me know your experience. Is, is the louder the voice, the more likely it's not your truth speaking to you in your head? Yes. I think my personal experience has been that if it's like really, really loud and it's practically shouting at me, I'm coming from a place of fear, not from a place of truth, not from a place of power. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Lori put something in the, in the chat just now speaking to vows. And I really love that because no, that just kind of got me thinking about the agreements that we make with ourselves, the spiritual contracts that oftentimes we enter into with ourselves and with others, sometimes without even thinking, uh, without even realizing that these contracts are taking place. And the beauty of these spiritual contracts is that they can be momentary, quite literally one second long, or they can be a lifetime long, but all of it has to do with, in this moment, I wish to experience this thing and you are the best person or this is the best circumstance to help me experience this thing that I either want to learn, I want to explore, I want to know, I want to, um, you know, just all of that. And these vows, yes, exactly. And she's referring to vows that come from unconscious limiting beliefs that create the triggers. Absolutely. And, and that's actually very much along the lines of what I was kind of going toward is that these vows, these experiences ultimately contribute to the totality of us not only learning our truth, but also being able to release all of these unconscious limiting beliefs that now keep us held in place. And, and, but that's the work. Uh -huh. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. You don't take a nice nap and Hey, all my limiting beliefs fell away. Right. Being in the med school for the entire life. <laughs> so, so Apio, if, if you had a position in the men's school, what would you like to teach? Oh, ew, that's a tough question for me. Um, all right, since you put me on the spot here, for me, it would it would be taught it would be an everyday practice for peace. Say that again. An everyday practice for peace, teaching men how to achieve that everyday practice for peace, and <laughs> we can do an entirely different episode about that. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> and Lori's asking in the chat, Jan, are there any women teaching at the men's school? Yeah, it, without uh, having an official position, absolutely. There, in fact, I think the page has been a success, not because of anything I've done. Well, some of the things I've done. But largely because several women chose early on to come in and lend their voice and speak into the circle in ways that have been well-received, and are leading to real conversation uh, and, and the breaking down of barriers. I'm there kind of as a referee if somebody gets out of line to touch them back in. But in a learning environment, everybody has to have at some point the recognition that I don't know it all. It seems obvious, but I think we're built into a defense position 
that I'm just sending my ideas out there in the hopes that people would agree with them. And it turns out to not be the case. When I was mayor, we did a thing with John Gardner's Learning Communities Initiative. He was at Stanford in his dotage and, um, and, and thought that this was something that really was showing up in our society a lot, that people do not know how to listen to one another. And he recognized that a prerequisite, and we did this with the general plan for Los Gatos, we gathered a whole bunch of people from the community who'd never been in community service before, put them on a committee that was going to help write the first draft of the general plan. And as a learning community experiment, had them see whether or not they could come away having learned something. They came into the situation all believing that what they had been saying at the table in front of their spouse, that the spouse was probably paying half attention to and nodding. They started presenting that stuff and it turned out to be illegal or tried or you know, all these other ways. And you could just see people shocked that my story isn't reality. But that's exactly what's to happen. If it's a learning community, you have to be able to give up your beliefs and be willing to listen in the far off possibility that the asshole you're talking to might actually have something I know. Because I know what I know, I don't need that. So I can't hang out with my buddies and learn anything. I gotta learn from the person that I disagree with, I don't get along with, I think is absolutely wrong. How do I do that? I have to let go of this, I gotta be right and say, what if I could learn some more? Half of the stuff we've been talking about, Andy, in, in Circle, it, and certainly Mankind Project work, is to recognize all the stuff I don't know, all the ways I was wrong, all the ways I make bad choices, all the wounds and shadows that lead me to behaviors that I'm not, I don't wanna do, but I do. So from that place of humility, I can start to drop, 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 and then get to where Apio, I think, is talking about, where if I'm really at peace, I don't need to change that person's mind. It, it might just be enough that we hear each other and we give each other a, a moment of space where we're actually in contact. And from that place, three years later, there may be an effect. You know, I talked to that black guy three years ago and he wasn't an asshole. And I think I'm going to be different about that. You know, that kind of stuff happens at a level that's sweet and real and doesn't need me to be right in the situation to get the result right yeah that's beautiful and any, anytime i'm teaching a class uh no matter what the subject i was talking about what i call the most dangerous words in education i know that and just people notice how many of you think that because when we think oh i know that it, you just if you're aware of it oh it, you just shut down you just refuse any opportunity to learn something more to get something else out of it so uh, and i feel like that's what you're speaking about there too so anytime, yeah, yeah. even in group, anywhere, if you, even, even if you, oh, I know that about myself. Well, you just shut down the chance to go deeper, right? Mm -hmm. And don't tell anybody. <laughs> but I don't really know anything, right? <laughs> really. Science itself is all about continuing to grow and learn more. It's not a static. We're in a dynamic universe with, with incredibly complex problems, and we're trying to solve them. Like there is a box that it will fit into. Now, you talk about masculine. That's a pretty masculine. I'm going to put it in a box and it's going to solve it. We're going to have a war on this and the dead. It's insane. It is not effective way to deal with problems, with so-called problems at all. So, so let, let's go there. What, what do you find is the more effective way to deal with a problem? Relax. And that place of peace. And from that place of peace, I can hear that voice. 
from a calm, quiet, relaxed, humble presence. I can hear what you're saying. I can tell you my truth. I can stay relaxed and we can spend the time. And eventually, from that place, the problem doesn't get changed, but our insight into what's possible in the context of that problem starts to emerge. Beautiful. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that quote. I believe it was Einstein. You're right, Laurie. The quote is, you can't solve a problem from a place from which it was created. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was, it's at least attributed to him. <laughs> Well, I know we're, we're get, kind of getting to the, the top of the hour for our time that we have uh, together. Um, what, what's the best way? Well, I guess there's only one way. So if someone wants to learn about the men's school, find it, search Facebook for the men's school. School on Facebook, the men's school. A lot of people are feeding back to us right now that they're really having a great experience. Beautiful. Because it's Beautiful. to mentally express yourself where somebody's not going to troll you immediately and, and it's going to degenerate into some arguments and name calling and insanity pretty tight about policing that and bright people who really have something to say are showing up their their comments on threads i'll pull out and post as a whole post because there's some deep beautiful people who've shown up because they're they want this place we all want if you, if you ever you get there if you do therapy with somebody there's a beautiful game you know like i want to get uh, i want a, a new job and What's, what's the, like, like the old job? Well, if you, if you get the new job, what do you get? What do you get? What do you get? What do you get? About 18 layers in, they go, I just want to be connected. And if you don't get the job and you keep your same job, da, 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 what do you get? What do you get? I just want to be connected. So I get it down to all I want is love and connection. That's all I want, really. Well, now I know how to behave. This even sort of becomes simple. I'm in a fight with you. No, I really want love and connection. How do I get there? How can we get to love and connection? Oh, oh, oh. So that's what I think is the rest of the answer to your question about how do you deal with problems? I just want love and connection. Now that helps me frame how do I, you know, how do I get to that? Right. It's almost we have the, uh, it, there's a lie about what we see as the problem. Mm -hmm. It's just some set of circumstances that people haven't really looked at completely because They've identified it as, oh, that, and now it needs a solution. No, it needs yeah. to be, yeah. be dealt with. Oh, once I'm in there, it's not a problem. It's just a situation. Men are currently being accused of being the problem, right? It's not, a, we're not, a, we're not the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a situation in which we're all involved and we all have responsibilities. It's all shared and it involves us becoming together not to solve it, but to be with it in a way that serves. Indeed. Cool. Cool. Mm, um, this has been a, a, a wonderful conversation. Um, I, uh, automatic re-entry anytime you feel like coming back and continuing discussions. And uh, I really look forward to uh, one day frolicking on the campus of the men's school. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> going to be on a beach. I promise you that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Cool. And we'll take your master class in presence. Which, mm, uh, which, thank you guys for doing this. Thanks for doing so well. this. Oh. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for prompting us, Laurie. Yes.
cool. and Sherry, uh, uh, since you joined us as well, they want to record, put a quick shout out to you as well. Thank you for being part of the conversation. Yep, thanks everyone. Awesome. Everyone joining us live, everyone, whenever you're listening to this, uh, if, if you're having trouble finding the men's school on Facebook, uh, at realmenfield.org, we'll have nice obvious links to that. Uh, it's a public group, anyone can join, um, even non-men. <laughs> Especially non-men. We're, we're 28% right now female. Cool. And we don't want it to be for females, but it's necessary that we have feminine energy in, in our world or we, we aren't learning. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's often, it's the hidden secret of this whole show, Apio, that, you know, men are human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't let it out. Oh, it's out. Sorry. <laughs> awesome. So until next time, uh, check us out. Please give us a review, uh, a rating, wherever you're listening to the show, a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Visit realmanfield.org. Check us out on Facebook. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Be well, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Real Men Field. Until next week, visit realmenfield.org or the Real Men Field Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Show us some love by visiting realmenfeel.org slash swag or digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.